Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge. This is your host, Christine Madeira, and we are back today with Alex Boyangu. Alex is a dedicated and gifted therapist with over 30 years of study and practice. He uses an integrative approach to therapy, emphasizing psycho-spiritual growth grounded in somatic therapy's focus on the unity of body and mind. Alex is trained in EMDR, a technique used to help people process and resolve trauma. He's also a gifted couples therapist, assisting the partners to reach deep levels of awareness and compassion. With compassion and discernment, Alex guides and models how to positively harness the psychodynamic energies we all possess to rediscover our common and innate holistic nature. Welcome back, Alex. It's just very exciting to talk with you. Oh, I had a blast last time. I uh, can't wait for this one. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So just to, to recap a little bit, if this is the first time you're coming on, Alex and I are going on a journey together uh, over several podcasts, and we're talking about the journey of wholeness. And so we are moving on in our second conversation today, talking about how our infinite immaterial selves express itself through the body. I wanted to just ask you first to begin to lay the groundwork for this conversation for us about how you view or experience this process of the immaterial expressing itself through the material. First of all, I think we all have to step back and, and be very honest and, and admit that being conscious is a mystery. The awe of that in itself is just profound. You know, we walk around in our lives just completely oblivious to the, the, the magic, I call it, the magic and the mystery of incarnation. I mean, because if we really sit for a moment and be like, where was I? Who was I, you know, before this? Where am I going? I mean, you know, we, we all want to know where we came from, where we're going. And mm -hmm. what's, in, what's interesting is like, you know, if we really track it, we came from the immaterial, the space of being, and then we became expressed as this, as this congealed, localized expression called Alex. And again, since we're in, we're in the human realm and animal realm and plant and kingdom and all so forth. So therefore in this world, this particular expression looks this way, that, mm -hmm. that the, the unmanifests manifests this particular way. And it's like uh, the analogy you and I were talking about before, which is, you know, you, in order to see the movie, you need the movie screen, dude. In order to see a painting, you need the canvas, right? Mm -hmm. And as, we need this computer. Uh, I can I can write beautiful code, but if I don't have the screen for it, I'm not going to be able to see the code. Mm -hmm. So, it's often said, you know, in 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 the spiritual field that, you know, 
the divine unmanifest is wanting to enjoy and you know we could easily call this god if we want i mean you know there's mm -hmm. many name there's many names for this and i don't want to get caught up in the names right 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 because uh, this, this is not religion this is not religion the larger just, the larger conversation that religion tries much, to explain that's right it's a much larger which in which which encompasses by the way the the divine nature and expression of the unmanifest to the manifest mm -hmm. so simply put we are the expression of the unmanifest so that we can we can um explore and really you know somebody said to ask rupert rupert spear and many other spirituals why are we here it's you know some people simply say to enjoy mm -hmm. in, to in, enjoy this this experience to partake and enjoy it and, and that sounds very simplistic but it's not the kind of joy of just uh, go eat your ice cream those are that's that's definitely a joy but mm -hmm. a kind of joy that remembers the mystery and the magic that that joy is the the profound joy the profound realization of who i really am so so back to your original question is we are the we are the we are the manifest of the unmanifest it's a really big concept to have it but, but i do want to kind of bring it down into some experiential things like for me i, I realized earlier in my life like I was having these experiences of this part of me, the, the, the infinite aspect of me in the sense that I got when, when it was really, when I was, it was really embodying me and I was having the experiences of it is that it was really in it for the experience. And it didn't really matter to this infinite being as what the experience was. It was simply in it to and to you know to have the the ride it wasn't like it had this you know we think about this terms of purpose that you know this, <laughs> that we've got something we have to do we've got this thing we have to learn or we have this work that we need to do or you know we have an assignment from the divine that we need to fulfill which is part of that that separation we talked about in our last conversation but for me having some glimpses of this in my own experience like it was that this aspect wanted, not wanted, there was nothing there, but it was enjoying the experience, whatever the experience happened to be. And if I had anxiety over the experience, then that was the experience. And if I was flowing with the experience, then that was the experience. And from my perspective, the, the flowing experience was different than the anxiety per experience, but I didn't get the sense that from that larger perspective, it really mattered one way or the other. Purpose, right? Uh, yeah. Is often uh something that people chew on in the realm of separation mm -hmm. then then it's the purpose is like what's my purpose what what's the irony is in the moments of beingness the purpose is simply the creative expression of being mm -hmm. so it's when we lose being at home do we say oh i'm in the woods and i'm and i'm going here and and i'm lost and my purpose is to return back home you know what i mean it's funny <laughs> right yeah. So, so <laughs> from the perspective of, uh, you know, uh, the experience of, of oneness is that the, the, there is no longer a striving, by the mm -hmm. way, let me, let me, let me do that, that yeah. you, you are, you are relaxed of the need and want of the purpose. <laughs> yeah, uh, completely. You know? Yes. Cause when you're in it, there's no, you're, it's not like it's purposelessness, you no. know, like in that terms of like, oh, we don't have a purpose or we're just like, you know, that was kind of my existential crisis is like in these moments of, I have no purpose. <laughs> Why am I here? What, what, what's, what's, what's interesting, by the way, if you, if you pay attention to this mm -hmm. is that 
in our uh, uh, beingness, mm -hmm. e each one of us here is to ex is to, is here to express that in their unique way. So, yes. in in my life, this is my expression. Mm -hmm. For another person, it's going to look completely different. And, but they will but they will know because it has a sense of flow and unity and. Um, it could be in anything that you're, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's not in the doing. It's not like mm -hmm. in what, it's not in what the manifestation of the action is going to be. It's going to be mm -hmm. the, that when we feel this beingness, it's a creative force just arising and it manifests in what we love to do and who, who we, who we love, uh, how we love, who we're with. And, and what happens is we start to align our life mm -hmm. uh, that the people in our life, the experiences start to support, mirror, and match that energy. So our own resonance with being mm -hmm. magnet magnetizes life, creates life that way. When we're lost and we're 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 separated, well, that energy then vibrates and does what? Coalesces and brings together those people that have similar kind of energies and. and that have similar energies you see mm -hmm. so we can't get away from our vibration no and to you know we tend to also think about this in terms of like this one life that we have but from this part of us that's infinite you know there is no time there is no hurry there is no there's an invitation like you were saying in our last podcast that anytime that we're in that state of separation it's always an invitation to come into more wholeness more connection more attunement with this this experience this oneness but there's since there's no hurry from the perspective of the infinite you know, if you don't get there for a hundred thousand lifetimes, then okay, you know, uh, that's fine. I will poke at that from a different angle. Okay, good. L let's look at the let's look at the image of the hologram. I love holograms, and, mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't know this until I started studying holograms. And there, there's a term called the holographic universe, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea in a hologram is the following. So let's say you have an image, uh, a, a holographic image, right? Mm -hmm. And you take a piece of that image off. Let's say you, you, with your scissors, you cut it off. What my understanding is, and I could be wrong, I, and anybody can correct me, I don't really care, is that the in that small little I image, the mm -hmm. entire image, the entire image is in the whole in the small image. Yes. Uh, and, and if you just stay with that for one moment, that in itself is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for all our lives practically? It means that everything that is manifesting itself every moment is holographic. It means that all your thoughts, emotions, sensations, and experiences are arising out of the conditioning in every manifestation possible. Therefore, each manifestation is a doorway back to wholeness, which means every feeling, thought, sensation, projection mm -hmm. is an avenue and a doorway to experience my unmanifest divine true nature. You see, so, so what's beautiful is this, nothing in life then is separate mm -hmm. from wholeness. When the sun shines and it shines through the, the universe and the galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. it, it shines everywhere. It shines, there's no place that it doesn't shine. And then those sun rays get, you know, mixed in with clouds and magnetic fields. And it looks like it's being sort of say shift, shifted and displaced and changed and so forth. 
that's still the manifestation of the original source. So we can look at each, each experience as a doorway back to wholeness. We live a holographic life. And my invitation and the people that I work with, and, and they start to learn to do this, is that how can they take all experiences and weave them back? And when they have that aha, then the fight at work with their coworker is no longer just an event <laughs> that's outside the play of their life. It's like mm -hmm. so funny, like, you know, we're on stage and, and we're, we're, we're having a theatrical, you know, life, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then all of a sudden we think that what's happening on stage is, is sort of say separate from who I am. No, we are, we are the director, the screenwriter, the, all the casting parts, right? So yes. you, can't, you can't divide it up. And yet, hearkening back to our last conversation, that orientation of separateness, you know, you naturally want to break it up to try to fix it. And so, you know, going back to that last conversation, contrasting the experience of separation in the experience of wholeness is one of those ways that, you know, you can see how well, however you're interacting in the moment is that gateway back. You know, we've got the nervous system, we've got all of these aspects of our physical, mental, emotional experience or gestalt or whoever you want to call it through which this life force is expressing itself. You know, if we have this life force, this infinite beingness is expressing itself through our, our bodies, our, our life, our experience, our fractal, our hologram, let's begin to look a little bit about how like the body is an operating system and the aspects of that operating system to understand how this works in a different way, because our experience of ourself, our, our identity experience of ourself is based in conditioning wholeness is right. based in unconditioning. And yet the operating system in the body as we tend to experience it now from this place of separation is all really about reinforcing the conditioning. So how can we understand then this operating system that we are expressing as a body and how sure. it streams through or interacts with the life force? Let's go, let's go back to that girl in the first analogy of, okay. uh, I'll set, I'll set up the scene again. So for people who didn't hear the first one, so the girl is, you know, the little girl, she's, she's, you know, bringing some water to the table as the family's cooking and she drops it and the father is like, you're stupid. Mm -hmm. In that moment, remember what we said, she's going to experience that in the body first. Mm -hmm. There'll be a contraction and that contraction later on, we unfortunately also in psychotherapy, we're like, oh, this is, we need to get rid of the contraction. Mm -hmm. No, no. And here comes the answer to your question is that all the manifestations in the body in the mm -hmm. form, in the form of seeming contractions, right, are doorways of where we are split off. Yes. Therefore, the let's say in that girl that moment, she experienced it in the heart chakra and the throat chakra, let's say, as energetic contractions, her mm -hmm. shoulders, let's say, slump and her body takes some kind of concave, concave form and she carries that through her life. The problem, the, the issue there is not like, oh, we need to correct her form. Mm -hmm. what, 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 we're, what we are seeing is the manifestation like a bonsai tree, that if I keep taking a bonsai tree and turning it to the left for 20 years, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be like, oh, it's turning left. Of course it's turning left mm -hmm. because that's what happened. That's what I've been telling it to do, right? right. And here, here the, the body's energy, it's like, a, it's like, you know, like an ice cube. And what we want to do with that ice cube, the contraction, is we want to use it as a resource 
resource, we say, all right, let's go to that contraction. Let me, let me give you some of the steps that I, that, that I teach my clients. Number one, we look at the manifestation in the body as not something bad. Meaning, here, come, here, comes, here comes the hard part for most people. The uncomfortable quality of depression, anxiety, and all of the other manifestations in the body, the sensations, mm-hmm. we don't like them. We, we want them to stop, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is this, when there's an alarm in your house that there's a fire and you say, I want the alarm system to go stop working. Okay, great. Well, let's stop working and then your house burns down, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the desire for the, for the alarm system to stop is understandable, by the way. I get it because when we have those sensations that are overwhelming, our desire is to make that go away. You could understand why we develop all sorts of infinite addictions. That's really simple because addictions are management systems to the unconscious material showing up in the body. So why do we use drugs and alcohol? Because we want to ease the suffering within the body Mm-hmm. So then we can get relief from the unconscious material that's causing the body to stay in that in that form. You understand? And it's just momentary relief because it always comes back. It always comes back because we have to uproot where this is being held in the deepest subtle level. Now, l- let's talk about the subtle level here and, and gross level. In the Indian system, and, and it's actually not just their system, but it's a system of what we call the energetic, energetic bodies, the energetic uh, uh, experience. So for example, when we experience our bodies, we often experience our bodies in a very dense way. It's like, you know, the muscles and the bones and the solidity, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're just quiet for a few minutes, we could also feel the energy running through the body. We can feel the energetic quality that's running through your hands, meaning mm-hmm. it's the, I, I don't think it's that difficult to experience, just experience the subtle energy, we call it, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So we have what's called from from dense, gross energy all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way to the unmanifest energy. It's the, it's the space of where it's the silence of the energy before it manifests in the material form, right? And yes. in science, uh, string theory was the closest uh, and quantum consciousness is the closest description to that expression, right? So mm-hmm. what we in the West are over-identified with I am my body mm-hmm. in its grossest, densest form. And then the, also the aspect of, of identity from the, the thoughts and the ideas about who I am in the body, in the um, body. And, and how right. those run and reinforce themselves in the body. So yeah, it's, it's a whole- it's Full circle, full know. circle, yes. full circle all aiming at reducing suffering. I want your listeners to understand this is not, Mm -hmm. um, I hope nobody gets, this is not complicated and all over the place. It's simply this. (laughs) In in this journey, we want to reduce suffering. That's Mm -hmm. what we want in life. And we just have to, you know, understand that there is temporary, you know, reduction of suffering. And then there's the existential relief of suffering. You know, when and we were talking a little bit about the codes or the operating system in the body, and one of the ways that we use that operating system of the body in ways that are ineffective for this, but very habitual and very um, part of what our society is, is that we use the thinking mind, which is part of the operating system to try to fix the thinking mind. And we use the technology of all the different technologies that go into our perceived identity and conditioning to try to fix 
the conditioning, none of which actually address that deeper space of, of suffering or really brings us any kind of permanent relief. It just kind of winds us or continues to wind us up in this gross world. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question on this, okay? Okay, yeah. And this is for your listeners, but I'm going to begin with you as, as, the, as the individual. I want okay. you to ask, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to explore this. Okay. Ask yourself, who am I without reference points? Isn't that the, the um, thing that I've been exploring my whole life? You know, the one time I had an experience of that, well, not the one time, I, I experienced that as this space of spaciousness that's right. Where there's no thought, you know, it's almost like I would imagine being in a sensory deprivation tank with a blank mind that wasn't actually thinking you just simply are. And I've had that experience. I, I had a, a pretty severe concussion a couple of years ago um, and I had it on the left side, uh, the front left side of my head and my whole thinking mind, I couldn't use it because it would hurt to think. Right. But, you know, the magic of this, because oftentimes we think, well, if I can't think, like, I don't know who I am if I can't reference myself and my thoughts. Oh, there we go. And so what, you know, what I was experiencing, and it wasn't the first time, but it was a continuous time for a few months that I I couldn't think because it hurt to think. And so... I was in this state of awareness where, you know, I could, I could function. I had enough brain functioning that I could function in my daily life. I mm. could, I could cook. I could do some of the stuff that I couldn't do it with bright lights or anything, but I could function, but I couldn't do it from thought. There was no referencing within the functioning. Uh, and it was right. surprising to me how much it was, it was a great experience. People like, oh, concussion. But it was a great experience because it really showed me that I could fully function in a state of no thought. All right, so you're and, opening up a beautiful conversation. Beautiful, okay, good. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. So watch what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. In the book, in the book, No Self, No Problem, um, mm-hmm. the, the book is about the difference between the left and right brain. So uh-huh. since we're gonna go into the brain for a moment, the, the left brain is dominated by self-referential mechanisms. Mm-hmm. It's simply the, the part of, you know, working with the world in naming things, dividing things for safety and moving mm-hmm. through the world. We need that, right? Yes. So it's mechanical in a way. It's, a, it's not whole picture. It's small parts, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's a tendency uh, also to fill in information. This is very interesting. It's not very accurate. And and what happens is the study showed that people will answer something according to their conditioning and it has nothing to do with what they actually were uh, shown, let's say, right? Yeah. And, And it's fascinating. And the brain keeps basically saying, I'm gonna fill this in. Mm-hmm. because it's going to help you deal function and survive and so forth and that's it it's not about enjoying or truth mm-hmm. simply naming dividing and go on all right so yeah. what we see and your concussion mirrors what happens to that woman who had the the stroke right on the left yeah. side of the brain yeah that wrote the, the uh, that wrote the book if you remember the name of the book uh yeah, my, stroke stroke of, a, my stroke of insight right yeah. what happened to her she had a left brain uh, stroke Mm-hmm. And she had the most profound experience, which you speak about, which mm-hmm. was since there was no filling in, <laughs> mm-hmm. no reference points, it yeah. was this experience of simply being mm-hmm. free. 
free and experiencing life exactly as it is. And it's a weird experience, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're used to the constant referencing. It was not the constant stimulation of thought and the constant, and I couldn't do too much stimulation from things like from external things, like too much listening or too much looking or TV or anything like that. Like there's a lot of time sitting in a, in a, in a dark room, just like being. And it was, it was an interesting kind of experience of getting used to that as like, wow, I can be in this experience and what more part of me, like the left brain part, you know, wanted stimulation. It wanted an idea to think about. It wanted something to look, it wanted entertainment. Uh, But the other side, this part that was really, you know, coming online more because I I couldn't use the, the thought process was just kind of in that state of constant wonder. Uh, which is a very different place. So what does meditation practice, let's say, EMDR, Mm -hmm. uh, the work that I'm doing with people, what does that have to do with this? It's exactly it. So what happens is through through breath work, you calm down the the Mm self-referencing. Through through meditation, you calm down the self-referencing. Through EMDR, which releases the traumas, you stop self-referencing. You see the goal then becomes... And, and the self-referencing is from the conditional, then as the self-referencing relaxes, what you're left with is exactly what you've been looking for your entire life. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's that place. Like you have the experience of it. And then that other part of the mind is like, well, okay, wait a minute, we got to figure it out. Okay. Let's, take, let's take that. Let's take that further. So it doesn't. Okay. So then we don't. We don't make thinking sort of say the enemy. So no, it's not. Um, but yeah, it's not the enemy. So thinking from the conditional perspective is just uh-huh. reinforcement. Thinking, and, and there's different sort of say. Uh, how do I say this? Ways of knowing. Let, let me mm-hmm. put it that way. In Buddhism, there's a description of. I think it's a eight ways of knowing. Eight. Mm-hmm. The the grossest way of knowing, the eighth one. Mm-hmm. is the, the simply knowing from subject object duality and naming things right the most subtle like level one knowing mm-hmm. is in the non-referential space of knowing and there's still a knowing but it doesn't show up necessarily in the form of thoughts they're still right. knowing you there's still yeah. a quality of knowing yes. so so it's not thinking that mm-hmm. that is the issue it's that as we learn to rest into the knowing quality mm-hmm. thinking can happen or not happen and it doesn't disturb us from the knowing quality you see in the yes. west we are trying to wrestle away from thinking to get to wholeness mm-hmm. no and this is a this is a profound misunderstanding and my teachers my spiritual teachers mm-hmm. and the methods that we learned was you in the meditation and the breathing you allow, you allow thinking to happen while you're resting in the quality of being. And then what happens is then thinking is infused with, with, with that energy and, mm-hmm. doesn't feel, and it doesn't feel like it belongs to you. It doesn't right. have a sticking quality. It, 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 it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a mirage moving. It's like a cloud moving through the sky. You know, you, you, right. you, you, perce- you perceive it, let's say, right? But, and it doesn't pull you away from the experience of being in that state. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Let me ask you a question about this then, because um, this is actually one that I, I had really wanted to ask you. Because in English, we have really interesting vocabulary issues when we talk about this, these kinds of levels of experience, because we've used vocabulary that's kind of in the exact opposite of this experience to try to explain the experience and to try to explain the opposite experience. Anyway, uh, we'll go <laughs> off on that. But when we talk about mind in the Western sense, we almost always talk about the quality of thinking. When you Correct. hear about mind from the experience of like divine mind, larger mind, like body intelligence, but this larger concept of what yes. mind is, that thinking mind would be, you know, possibly a part of, but not all of, what, what is the, the distinction between those two? If you look in the East, mind, mind doesn't just refer uh, to uh, thinking. So um, let's use a... Um, uh, an amazing text uh, in okay. the Advaita, Advaita Vedanta tradition um, that describes the following three aspects of, of experience. Mm -hmm. And I call them the three Ks, the known, the knower, and the knowing. Okay. okay? Subject, object, non-dual knowing, mm -hmm. right? So let's start with, let's start with objects and what we consider the the known. This this will circle back to what you asked me, so you can see. Okay. Yeah. No you'll worries. See, you'll see the connection. I'm not trying to go off on a tangent here. So, okay. in 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 our experience, emotions, thoughts, sensations, projections, and everything that arises on the screen, mm -hmm. we take as the objects of experience, right? Mm -hmm. And those objects of experience, we do something with them right? Mm -hmm. we, we start to associate that I am the objects of those experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So then thinking, and I'm not crazy about the word thinking, to be honest with you, okay. the, the better term is self-referencing, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So everything that we're doing is self-referencing. So if you eliminate the word, you know, mind and thinking, Mm -hmm. What you what you get is self-referencing. So what are we doing? We're using the objects mm -hmm. as a as a way to support the, the way we experience the subject. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And if you could expound on that just a little bit, we're going to keep going. We're, we're, yeah. we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. So okay, good. The sub the subject is our perception of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So that comes from everything we talked about in previous times of all the conditioning, all the material that's in the unconscious, all mm -hmm. of that creates the sense of self, the felt sense of self, you know? Right. And, and what's the felt sense of self before that negative self-perception is, I feel like I'm separate from my home, do you see? Mm -hmm. And then what do we do? We start to you know, wrestle with the objects of our experience to try to relieve that <laughs> separation. And let's go further then. Well, if we start to explore that sense of self, the knower, we realize that the knower, just like the known, the objects, is simply a, a self-referential -referen uh, belief system. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not who I am. All right, we got to go take a step back, step back. Now, then who am I? Simply the knowing quality, the knowing. 
and right. the the knowing doesn't have an identity. It doesn't, and it and it's and here's the here's the part that we all struggle with. It doesn't have any self-referencing. It is the knowing which can never be known. It can never it it can never be an object. And this is what drives us crazy. So when you when we talk about when we talk about thinking, thinking, uh-huh. thinking is the attempt. <laughs> this is why I'm coming back to this. Okay. Is the is the attempt to know knowing mm-hmm. by making it an object do you yes. get it you oh understand? yeah totally yeah i mean this is sort of like that that uh the spiral that people who are striving <laughs> in this i mean striving and i mean this in a literal <laughs> sense in the spiritual <clears throat> realm as i mean they just shift it from a, a different right. realm to the spiritual right. realm and they go in circles with this and, and they go in circles yeah they they now use they now use the spiritual right yeah to to create a new self-referential spiritual self, right? I'm, I'm going to say something now that maybe summarizes everything. Okay, okay. Let, let, me see, let me see if I can do this. All right. Our deep desire is to create a self that is lasting and forever. Mm-hmm. It, right? You can feel that. Like there's, 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 It's a constant, like we're kind of like making a sandcastle on the beach, hoping that it just stays. And another way of saying that is that we are constantly looking for a, a subject permanency. Yeah, to know that, to make this this unknown known and to know it and, as and the knower. Know it. it's, it's like freeze frame. It's like, <laughs> we, wanna, we wanna take a picture and capture the, right. the knowing quality and then put it on a frame and say, there I am. And, right, yeah. And I can relax and, and I'm, I'm good to go and, and you know, it's amazing to actually understand. And, and I think that most spiritual teachers and teachings really, they don't do a great job of this subtle point. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being honest about that. And, and it's this point is subtle and takes some chewing on for most people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hope all your listeners could just take a moment and be like, I am looking for subject constancy. That's what I'm searching for. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm using thinking as a self-referential process <laughs> to capture an image of myself okay. that I can just rela- that I can just relax with. You yep. see? Yeah. Okay. So, folks, here's the news: that will never happen. <laughs> You'll never capture a image of yourself. You can relax into the imageless being of who you are. Mm-hmm. in the direct in the direct experience that you can do yeah and that i mean isn't that a very simple way of this whole kind of game that we play with ourselves I, i'm summer i'm summarizing the game that's the game it is the game and it's so simple but i mean it's so hard but it's so simple mm-hmm. because what it is that you want like having that consistency is the knowing i think that's what you called it that is is the quality of knowing that can't be known and it's the game is that we try to know the quality yes. of yes. knowing if i'm getting all the vocabulary right and that's kind of i mean it is it is a game it's a frustrating game sometimes but it, 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 it is, is a game but everything we want is in that state but we can't know that state as an object it's the most frustrating part oh of the God. journey yes. and the most and the most liberating understanding mm-hmm. when one settles into into being or the knowing quality right mm-hmm. that the relief of that you just laugh and you just go like oh you just relax in life then it's like yeah 
Oh, my goodness. I, the quality of being, mm -hmm. is always present, never changing, consistent, mm -hmm. bright, full, complete, now, here, always, infinitely. You know, it's like, and you, mm -hmm. just, you just then relax. And, and, and by the way, you won't see it in image, but you will experience it completely. Yes. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to say about this, because it really, you know, it is that game that we play. And, and so often, you know, in this self-referencing, we reference that me, the physical, mm -hmm. you know, operating system, conceptual being mm -hmm. is the one that's playing the game and has to has to win the game in order to, you know, be okay, is what we talked about in our last conversation. But it's really the infinite playing the game with itself and experiencing right. that game right. through the body. Through and the body, that's right. I'll that's tell right. you, I had a, a knockout drag, I mean, on my, on my side, a knockout drag out with my infinite being. Like when I finally realized that, I was... I, <laughs> <laughs> I was irate for a lot. And I knew I was having a little temper tantrum. And then my infinite being was like, yeah, you know, enjoy yourself. I'll still be here. But I had this knockout drag out when that finally like popped in. I was like, this is so unfair. I can't believe it. And I was going through storming around and my infinite being was just like cracking it. up. But, but like once I, I got it out, I was I, able to I, be like, oh, like this is just so cool. I want to, again, and please don't mind me, I, I'm, I'm very picky with certain things, right? Absolutely. No, go ahead. People, people will, will see that when, when, they, when they know me. Some people laugh at me about this, but mm -hmm. it's not that there's an infinite being separate from who I am right. and, then, and then experience called not yeah. me. I yes. want to be very careful. It's not that there's an, an object or identity called infinite being, right? Mm -hmm then that yeah. feels like me and not me because mm -hmm. at, at the level of Buddhahood, which is the, is the final stage, there is no more me, other, self, divine. Right. That duality actually collapses as well. The last stage mm -hmm. is the, the most hysterical one is that the whole, the whole thing, that there's infinite being and non-infinite being, even mm -hmm. that even that collapses, Christine. Yeah, no, I, I, it is true, and I, and I have, you know, some, some of that experience oftentimes. But I do, I mean, I experience both at the same time, like the, the being, That's the, right. the physical being within the larger being, That's and I it. can experience my like little temper tantrum self, not identifying with it. That's right. But I can express it and still be yeah. laughing at myself at the same time in that expression. It's and, and, and Rupert Spira, again, because he, he said beautifully, he said, the sense of separation is happening within the infinite mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that, though. So explain that just a little bit, because it really helps to, to pull, like, pull back, like you pan out, like one of those movie things where you pan out from, like, this little tiny thing happening, and then you see this larger picture. And I think that could be really helpful for people. So can you pan out for us with that? All right, try the following experiment. I want everybody okay. one day to go outside and, and lay down on the ground mm -hmm. and look up at the sky. And at first, I want you to look at the clouds and really narrow down your vision on mm -hmm. each individual cloud. And mm -hmm. notice that experience in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe I shouldn't, I mean, I won't say too much, but you, you, you'll experience a limitation. Let me tell you, let me say that. I don't feel like a, right. a contraction. Then I want you to open up your eyes mm -hmm. and, ta and take in the whole sky. Mm -hmm. See, 
see the entire sky as far as you can to its infinity mm -hmm. and relax into that. And while relaxing into that, notice the clouds, but do not, but do not lose you know, mm -hmm. contact with the infinite sky. That's the experiment that answers your question, by the way. And that's how we start to realize that the clouds can only manifest within the infinite sky. If there was no infinite sky, there would be no clouds. Mm -hmm. so, so this is a, a little bit of a play on switching foreground background and what do we do? Mm -hmm. And that happens with identity. It's like, uh, you know, we flip, we go from I am the subject to I am knowing. And then we realize like, right, the sense of subject in this case, self-referencing is happening within the sphere of the openness, and then yeah. it's no problem. And then we laugh, and it's just a—it's just an, a passing phenomena, you know. Yes, yeah. And you can when you do this. I've done that—that that same sort of thing. And you might notice if you're doing this as a listening, uh, my listeners, that as you're in that larger and experience, even as you're kind of drifting from cloud to cloud within that larger experience, that that self-referencing thought process quiets down. Completely. And it can give you the experience, especially if you've got a very busy mind, of what it is to be in that state of awareness that when, when the thinking mind, like that, that self-referencing monkey mind sort of thing is quiet, that you're still there, you're still you, but you're not thinking about you or referencing you. And spending time in that, like you know, I did with my concussion, oh, yeah. but you can, oh, you yeah. can do that laying on the beach. You know, you can do that any, in, all day, in, all day, all day all long. Day. Oh. And it will really help to cultivate that larger experience of you without being in that constant self-referencing of the identity. So who, who am challenge. I? Who am I without self-referencing? That's yeah. the mantra. That's the mantra. <laughs> if, some, if somebody wants uh, something to hold on to, <laughs> then yeah. hold on, hold on to that as the as the, as the question. And um, maybe next time uh, we'll we'll look at the impact of breathing and the eyes how eyes and breathing, and that's why I did this exercise with the eyes. And if you're mm -hmm. doing that exercise with the eyes, with the clouds in the sky, and you do a little bit of mindful, full body breathing, that even more so softens up the object and subject side of experience. More, 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 more. Oh, and good. you just simply start to experience that the clouds are, are and, and of course, the, <laughs> the last realization is that the clouds in the sky are inseparable. I mean, that's a much later, you know, realization. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That was a great little mantra to, to leave us on and a little teaser for next time. And Alex has a really special gift for everybody. So Alex, can you tell us about this beautiful meditation that you're sharing? Yeah, this is quite lovely, this meditation practice we often are seeking in our lives uh, to experience wholeness. If we really look at our experience, we want wholeness through all of our experience. And wholeness is that quality of being that's already available to us. And our body naturally expresses that quality of being. That's what embodiment means. And what we're gonna be working with in the body is the seven chakras or the seven energy uh, systems energy points, and each one of them uniquely expresses a certain quality of being. And what we'll be doing is accessing each chakra, doing a little bit of breath work to clear away blockages and stagnations, and to experience those qualities then. 
and then to allow those qualities to settle deeply within the whole body and then also to pervade our lives. That's the essence of what our meditation is going to be. And I've done this meditation and it is really luscious and lovely. So I invite everybody to um, check that out. And you can, again, check that out at conversationsfromtheedge.net or under the show notes. And Alex, you also have a course coming up in September that people might be really interested in if they want to dive deeper with this. So I will have information on that course in the show notes, a link for people to find out more and they can email you directly about that. But can you tell us a little bit about this course to let people know what they might be in for? Sure, I'm really super excited. Um, I've been meditating since I was a, a teenager. So it's been a, it's been a long time and I've been fortunate enough to be trained by some amazing uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, teachers and then some Western teachers and, and some Advaita Vedanta teachers from the Hindu system. Mm-hmm. So in being trained uh, and, and given permission also to, to teach meditation, I have learned throughout my life that people come to meditation with the best of intentions because they have this sense that meditation will help them make deep contact with who they really are. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of meditation is being taught and there's a lot of misunderstanding in the West and how it's being taught. So I really have tried very hard in, this will be the third time that I'm teaching this course, to make meditation something that is accessible to everyone and to understand the most important thing. Meditation is not a technique, it's a way of being. So therefore life is meditation and we'll get into what that means in the course. But the course consists of eight weeks, we'll meet once a week, nine, eight Thursdays, And what we're going to practice together, one, is understanding the point of meditation, who we truly are, and then experiencing who we truly are through these methods, and then learning to integrate these methods through life, through moving through life. So the the point of meditation is very practical. It's how to be, how to interact, how to go shopping, how to interact with loved ones, how to go to work, how to be with oneself. So this course is entitled Embodied Non-Duality. And the reason it's called that, embodied means that we begin with the body. The body keeps the score. The body also heals. It's through healing the internal energetic space that then thoughts, emotions, and sensations follow suit. We cannot change our experience through thoughts, emotions, sensations. They can only be changed by shifting the energetics in the body. And we can do that through meditation practice. We'll be learning of the what's called one-pointed meditation. We'll be learning what's called insight meditation. And we'll be learning what's called non-dual meditation. And those are the three that we'll be learning. And we'll be practicing them for an hour, hour and a half together each week. And so far, the reviews have been phenomenal. People, it's really changed people's lives. I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to be doing it. And, and I love what I see. All right. So if that sounds interesting to you, check for the link in the show notes and also at conversationsfromtheedge.net under um, Alex, you can find that information as well. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? And I'll just say first that all of Alex's links and things will be on conversationsfromtheedge.net and in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this. Um, So 
Go so ahead and, and just wrap that, up for us. Very, very important so nobody ever thinks this. We're not looking to create a state. So mm -hmm. none of this is a method to induce some kind of state. Right. Yeah. That by, by letting go, what's revealed is our true state. And what we're mm -hmm. going from, and this was a beautiful uh, uh, theme in the book called The Science of Meditation by Daniel Goleman, that the, what they saw with practitioners of meditation is that they went from having a state experience during mm -hmm. just meditation to a trait life, meaning that, it, that the experience of freedom that was happening just within the conditions of meditation practice mm -hmm. became, became the ongoing experience of their life. Yes. So, and I wanna be very clear about that. So nobody thinks that we're playing some kind of gimmicky game of creating mm -hmm. an artificial in the lab state because that easily can become something we wanna grasp onto. Yeah. We become spiritual practitioners. No, 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 no. It, it is the natural state. You can't say there's water and I'm going to try to create water out of uh, ice and I'm really making, <laughs> no, 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 no. The water went from being water to being, to being, uh, you know, ice to being, uh, you know, whatever it is, mist and, and rain. And it never changed its form. Therefore, mm -hmm. the state that we're talking about is the state of being, which becomes an ongoing trait. I'm sorry I took too long, but that's important. That's perfect, especially if you're new to this, that, that habit of striving of what is that, it that I'm supposed oh, to be that's doing that's it. Um, kicks in. So I'm glad you <laughs> let, stated let it let that. Go. Let, let go of striving. Right. I'm going to say this very simply. No, 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 no. Let go of striving. This path is letting go of striving. Yeah. It's the deconstruction so that you are in your natural state. That's it. Yeah. I know it's so simple. It like becomes complicated. <laughs> <laughs> But it is the journey of life. All right, yeah. Alex, this is, I'm, I'm loving our journey to wholeness conversations and I'm looking forward to our next one. So if you like these, keep, keep looking for, for these as they're, you know, moving through the lineup. Thank you again for being here. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your questions, your energy. It's, it's all beautiful and um, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to do this. Thank you. This is your host, Christine Madeira. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness. You can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net. You'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends, as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions. Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends, on social media, in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.